Hey everybody, we are live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. We are the Waiting for Next Year.com podcast. We are presented by Evergreen Podcast, although the announcement hasn't really been made yet, but we're going to say it anyway. Evergreen Podcast is a local podcast network, and we're uh, looking forward to all that comes from that in uh, 2021. And we are in 2021. How's it going, Andrew? Uh, it's going well. I'm uh, happy to have a new year because I'm pretty sure that means all the bad stuff is over. Right. Isn't that how that works? That yeah. With all that in 2020. So we got a new year and we're going to talk some music and yeah. Yeah. We kind of missed our best of 2020 music, but I, it doesn't really matter. People still have time. You know, I, th this is one of the things that we talk a lot about because you, you and I don't like hard, fast rules. You know, we're, we don't work yep. for a publication. So, you know, if I discovered something from 2019 or 2020, uh, from, from late 2019 and 2020, it counts on the 2020 list. Yeah. And I think, um, another thing too, about like doing it in 2021 is we actually truly allowed ourselves that if anything caught our attention, uh, you know, new year's Eve, we could have still made the list. Cause that's still 2020. So, which is really important that's right. as, as people are going to, find out it, it, it sort of happened this year and, and i mean not new year's eve but yeah i mean it definitely happened a little bit that we had a late late album that hit both of us pretty hard so i'm gonna i'm gonna share the the top 10 uh our top 10s and we could just kind of talk about it we don't have to go one by one by one but let's talk sure. about the year in music um you know certainly um let's save uh the number one um, let's talk about Pearl Jam first, because yeah. that, that was a, even though that one didn't make my top 10 this year, it was a really important album for both of us just because of the year that we had and the, the band that Pearl Jam is to us and, and kind of what we needed at what time we needed it. Yeah. Um, so I would, I would say I expected most most of the year it really felt to me like, man, I think I'm going to have to like figure out at the end of the year, if I can really make Pearl Jam my number one album of the year, because like they're like at this point in their career, like, I mean, Gigaton is an awesome album. I love it, but like they're not reinventing any wheels anymore. They're not pushing any boundaries anymore. And there were albums that came out that did some pretty remarkable things that it was, uh, it was like, man, like, you know, there's a part of me that's like, you know, that makes those a better album, but how do I separate what an album sort of means to me? And as with anything in life, like a lot of times things come down to luck and the, and timing. And so for me, the reason I had Pearl Jam number two on my list was because of when that album came out. Um, it came out March. I don't know the exact date off the top of my head, but it was sometime in March, but uh, I may or may not have had, yeah, we got we got that one leaked a couple days early uh a little bit ahead of time and it this all happened like right as the shutdowns were first happening and i i had just had the flu i was really sick and i thought maybe for a minute i had covid and then and that was you know again in march when you have the flu in march like that's like the scariest freaking time to have it like i was freaking out about that and then all the shutdowns started happening and i was like it like hit me. I was like, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, am I going to lose my job? Am I going to see my family 
in the neck, you know, when's the next time I'm going to see my family or, you know, anybody, you know? So it was, it was a heavy time for me for sure. And, uh, no, I was actually talking about that with somebody recently, just for, for as however long the pandemic has dragged on and how much of a pain in the butt it's been like, uh, the, you know, in my business, we occasionally get some cash. And so when the pandemic first happened, I was wearing plastic gloves to count cash. And I was yeah. very nervous about stuff like that. I was wearing a mask and gloves because cash had touched other people's hands. And I didn't know if it was safe to handle stuff like that. And people were wiping down their Amazon packages and leaving their yep. groceries in their garage. Like, and so for all the stuff, you have to like bring yourself back to that level of fear to realize how much of a binky <laughs> Pearl Jam gigaton yes. was for me. <laughs> and that, and that's exactly it. Like we just didn't know what was happening and like, you know, there was so much unknown. And so all of a sudden, like the most comforting thing in the world, my favorite band of all time puts out this album and not just a, an album, like a damn good album. Like this is a really good, uh, album. Like, like maybe so, their best album in three or four albums. Like I a would call, a callback with songs that belong on the all-time current set list. Yeah, when exactly. they are able to tour again. Yeah, <laughs> and so for me, like I mean, it was just it was exactly what I needed. I mean, it just calmed me down. I was able to escape for you know an hour here and there as I listened to that album over and over and over again and. I, I remember at one point, you know, I didn't know anywhere I could go. And so I just, it was like the first, like, it was like the first, like kind of warm day, you know, like it, had, it wasn't like super warm yet, but it was kind of warm. And so like, I just got in my car and just, you know, went for a drive and just listened to this album. I literally had nowhere to go. I just drove and listened to this album and uh, there was just something peaceful about it. And it was just, it meant so much to me. And so I've been unable to separate that from the rest of the year. And I, anytime I need to go back to that feeling of just, you know what, like everything's all right. It's cool. Like I'll just put that Pearl Jam album on and I just go right back to that place. It's, it's just become such a comforting album to me. And so that's why I have it ranked as high as I did. So I can recognize that there are certainly albums that are doing more interesting things that will, you know, what we're going to talk about, but the comfort level and what that album meant and when it came out was hard for me to separate from my list this year. I don't usually do it that way, but this year that was just a, a certain exception. I just felt like I had to make, if I was being honest, I mean, when the Spotify year end of year review came out, like it was overwhelming. Like you listen for me, it was like, Hey, Andrew, you listen to way more Pearl Jam than any, anything else, you know, that I listened to Gigaton more than any other album. So for me, it was that that's why it, it, it got as high as it did on my list. So which leads us to Deftones as well, because I know we're not at the end of the pandemic, but you want to talk about bookends of bands that were in your and my wheelhouse when we were younger that give us that comforting feel. And I know Deftones aren't like a comforting band <laughs> just musically, but but in terms of familiarity and importance in my life, you know, I discovered Deftones in high school around the fur came out when I was in college. Uh, so did uh, white pony. And I've been following that band for years and years and years. And then, so for that, for them to bring out ohms kind of in the middle, you know, toward later in the pandemic, it felt like yeah. kind of a bookend of, of comfort 
between Pearl Jam and Deftones for me to, to have not only a Deftones album, but a really freaking good one. And the thing that's awesome about Deftones too is like, whereas I said, Pearl Jam is not really doing anything too different per se. You know, they're, they're making Pearl Jam songs like Deftones put out an album that does not sound like other Deftones albums. I mean, it has that spirit of Deftones, like you recognize it as Deftones, but like if we're comparing this, you know, to Diamond Eyes or um, uh, what was the one just before Ohms? I forget now off the top of my head uh, what that one was called. Um, I don't remember either. But uh, wow. Uh, but it, the, like it, it was like a, those albums had a different sound to them and a different feel. And like once again, Deftones just continued to surprise and they sound fresh as ever. Like you wouldn't believe that this is a band. You that... couldn't remember it because it's called Koi no Yokan. Okay. And gore. Yes. <laughs> uh, and gore. Oh, yeah. And gore too. Yeah. Um, so I think that like they, they still sound like a band that's in their 20s. Like they, Chino sounds as good today as he did back then, you know. And you don't Steph's, get that. You don't get that from angry bands. Like you really, you just don't. It's they so, usually it's run so out of freaky. things to scream about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, you know, and Steph's guitar playing is just get, getting better and better. I mean, he's he's such an underrated guitar player. Um, I think maybe we talked about this before, but uh, you know, I don't assume that everybody's listened to all of our podcasts, but. Uh, but you know he's definitely a, a very underrated he, guitar player. You won't see him on a lot of lists of, you know, the top you know fifty guitar players of all time or whatever. And I don't know if he should be, but I'm just saying like, I think he's very up there in terms of an inventive style and a style that's definitely all his own. And uh, it's no, and, he, and you're talking about a guitarist who's fifty. You're, you know, the the rest of the band is like going on their fifties. They're yeah, not supposed to be putting out albums like this at the stage that they are in their career. Everything that they do from this point forward is like complete and utter bonus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I hate to talk I, about them like that, but but no, I I felt like around the time of Koino Yokin and Diamond Eyes, like it felt like all right, this is kind of where Deftones are settling. Like you know, it's like. All right, this this is kind of where that you know that curve is settling, and you know, okay, so that's this is what we're going to get out of Deftones, and it was still good. Those are good albums. I you know I I I'll listen to them every now and then. That's it's cool. Like I I like them, but I think then when they put out Gore, like Gore did like these like really super atmospheric things that it was like okay, like maybe they do still have something left, and then they put out Ohms, which is like bringing in elements of shoegaze i would say like a little bit and like i you know i don't know if you remember but somebody who had heard the deftones album before it came out had said that this was what the hum album was supposed to be and like i kind of feel like that was accurate like you listen to the deftones out like ohms and you're like okay this is this is what i thought that hum album was gonna be like sort of that wall of guitar in your face you know and so they went in this like once again, just a different direction that I wasn't totally expecting. And I mean, that album just blew me away. Yeah, no, for, absolutely. Um, so before we, before we go to the number one, cause I don't want to be accused of bearing the lead. Let's, let's talk about mansions. Yeah. Because of all the albums that came out this year, that was one that really surprised me because it's not a big time band. It's not, 
Um, I mean, they've got a, a healthy following. It, it's, it's a good band, but for them, it's another one where for them to put out this material at this point in their career just seemed so crazy, just absolutely insane. Um, how good and how much of a step forward and how interesting it was compared to, you know, kind of the more, um, I'm going to cut my wrists and I'm going to bleed all over the place. emo <laughs> kind of music yeah. that, that got their career started. This is like a really like a, has a pop sensibility um, and almost like a Radiohead turn. Yeah. So that's, that was exactly what I was going to say. That was the exact comparison I was going to make. Like to me, this is like a Radiohead type leap and like, and I mean, I think some of these songs sound like they could almost be Radiohead songs, like middle era Radiohead songs. And um, uh, I think that I think that you pro I think you turned me on to this band, or um, I think so too. Uh, initially, and you know, I've I've always liked them, but like this this album, like I want to say, like was that April when this came out? Because I feel like it was shortly after Pearl Jam, even. So it was almost like once I was like, okay, you know, I was really enjoying the Pearl Jam album, but I needed like the next thing. Like I feel like in my head, if I remember correctly, that mansions was kind of that next, that next album that I really latched onto. And I listened to the uh, big bad. I listened to this, this album a lot. Um, you know, especially early summer, uh, late spring that, you know, that, that time frame. Yeah. It was actually June. Yeah. It was late June. Okay. So it was June. It was okay. Firm, firmly in the summer for us, but you know, they'd released a couple of singles early. So okay. that's why it feels yeah. like April or yep. May. Yeah. Um, and then, so now without bearing the lead any longer, we've got to talk about the number one and the fact that both of us, I, I shared it with you. Um, yep. and it was what? 35 days ago, 25 days ago. <laughs> was it even that like time flies, I guess, but. So Spanish love songs. So I think um, you, you want to talk about how you found them. Yeah. So I, I, I think that's kind of an interesting story because neither I, of us had, at least I was not familiar with these guys at all before you shared it with me. I don't know if you had, were at all familiar with them, but yeah, no, I, I'd heard of them and because they'd toured with some other bands that I'd heard of and kind of that emo revival. Um, and they, uh, so Spanish love songs was a recommended song on the, Hey, we saw your end of year stuff on Spotify. You'll probably like this band. And I heard the first song and I got the same like chills that I got the first time I heard the hotel year, probably the first time I heard mansions. And I put mm -hmm. that album on and it was song after song, after song, after song, I've got the chills again, just telling you about it. Yep. And all of a sudden it's like here we're, we're 10 months, 11 months in 11 and a half months into 2020. And I think I have a, a new number one album for the entire year. That's probably going to carry me all the way into 2021. Yeah. Uh, I think that's, what's awesome about this album is that not only is it both of our favorite album of 2020, but because it came out so late, we're going to be listening to this plenty in 2021. It as came well, out in February. Know? We just discovered well, it. Late. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> what I should have said. We, we found it late in the year. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think like, I think you certainly hit the, hit the nail on the head there with the, the hotel year, uh, mansions comparison. I even felt like 
there was a little bit of like the first time I heard senses fail. I don't know if you ever listened to senses yeah. fail at all, like throw, throwing it back a decade. But like when I first heard senses fail, like the lady in the blue dress, like that kind of stuff. And it was like, it, it's something about that kind of music that can just hook you and just grab onto you and not let go. And I, I was about three days in of listening to it. And I probably listened to it 10 times in those three days and i was like i think this is going to be my favorite album of the year like i i kept pushing back doing my list like we had talked about doing the list before we had even heard of spanish love songs we had started the, yeah. the framework of building our lists and you know i knew we wanted to get it finished but i just kept kind of like pushing it back because i kept wanting to wait and see i wanted to make sure like is this album going to hold up and then you know so a week goes by and yep still holds up two weeks go by all right, I'm still listening to this all the time and it's still just as good as the first time I heard it. And so it's still, to, it just got to the point where it was just undeniable. This is the best album I heard this year. This, and I was trying is, to figure out what it was, by the way, and you nailed it perfectly when you and I were talking about it. You said that um, when, you're, when you're playing it, the way that they sing, the way that they play music, it makes you feel like everything that they're saying is the most important thing that's yeah. ever been committed to record. Right. You like there, you feel that sense of urgency that every note matters that when he, you know, you get the sense that when they wrote these lyrics that they, he poured over these lyrics to get everything just right, to say exactly what he wanted to say. And, um, and that, that's the thing too, like lyrically, like, you know, yeah, the, the album is very emo for sure. Um, but like, I didn't, I don't, I, I'm trying to choose my words carefully here because I hate, I hate, I don't want to call like other emo whiny. I mean, some of it certainly can be, but sure, this is in no way, shape, or form does it come across whiny. Like it's, uh, it's just very visceral. Like he makes you feel those emotions that he's trying to get across to you, and you, you just like you feel every inch of it, and that's that's what makes it so powerful. It's just that, that relatability that, that hooks you into it. Well, and I, I just knew I, it's my type of album and, you know, I listened to it when I was on one of my runs and I compared it to the previous day's time and it was like 90 <laughs> seconds or two minutes or three minutes faster than what I'd done the day before, which is like uh, music can actually do that to your runs and yeah. it's just pretty unbelievable. So, yeah, I, I just. I, I would say it's not, but it, it was not an album I think I was expecting at all in 2020. Um, and it sort of does, it sort of like messes with me on like an opposite spectrum of what the Pearl Jam album does for me. Like yeah. it pushes and pulls in those different directions and it gives me good, you know, good sort of balance between, um, between those different things. But uh, yeah, I, it was just, uh, it's so fun to like be surprised, I guess, by a, a, a late, late year album like this. And I also am trying to think too, like, I don't know is that you and I probably have ever had the same number one, like our lists have a lot of similarities year after year. Cause we have very similar tastes, but like, I'm not sure that we've ever both had the same number one, unless maybe like a deaf heaven album would be like, uh, if we, if we had those at number one on any year, but, so that's kind of cool too. Just that, that that I think it's just again speaks to the quality of this album that it it didn't just 
grab a hold of me. It didn't just grab a hold of you. Like it got both of us at the same time equally and had the same effect on us. And I, I think that just goes to show that, you know, it's legit. No. And that's one of the favorite, that's one of my favorite things about us being friends and having so much music in common is that we have so much crossover, but every single year there'll, there'll be something a little bit punky that rises to your number one, that is not going to rise to my number one. And maybe something a little bit, you know, whatever that uh, rises to my number one and and misses yours. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think that's kind of been a fun thing too. It's like by doing these lists and stuff too, like I think we both are pretty good at sharing music that we are pretty sure the other one's going to like, like I can listen to something and I'll be like, all right, this is pretty good for me, but I think Craig's going to really like this. And, uh, you know, and, and, you know, there's certainly been vice versa too. So that's, I think that's part of the fun part of, you know, doing these lists as well. It's it's not just, let's talk about that. So uh, I want to talk about nothing, but we're not going to be able to talk about all these. Uh, And we have a special guest joining us in about five minutes, five, six, seven minutes, something like that. Um, You, you sent me envy. And that's one that just keeps creeping back. And it's like, for those who are watching and listening, we're not telling you the best things that hit the entire world this year. We're telling you the stuff that Andrew and I liked. Envy is like this crazy, screamy, black metal, melodic, weird thing. Um, But that just goes to show, you know, kind of what we're into. Um, And, but you were a hundred percent right. You knew that I was going to love it. Yeah. And that was one that like, I, I really listened to the hell out of this album for a good solid month or two. And then I kind of went away from it for a while. And then, you know, late fall, I kind of started going back to it and listening to it again. And I, I love that album. It's um, just, again, that, that, that sort of black metal, like that just wall that hits you in the face with it. But yet there's something like almost pretty and melodic about, you know, uh, some of the layering that they do with the guitars underneath that, that wall, that wall. And, uh, it's, I, it's, that's an outstanding album for sure. Um, all right. So the, the big, a couple surprise ones for me, um, first of all, Dikembe Muck, that, that mm-hmm. album came out of nowhere for me. It was, um, it's a band that I wasn't really all that into in their, in the other parts of their career, although I liked it. Um, and then this one comes out and it just completely blew me away. Just absolutely loved it. And then one that's not from this year, but like other than Pearl Jam really kind of nursed me through the beginning of the pandemic was uh, Crux by Moontooth. And it's it's almost like an album out of this time period. Yeah. If it had come out in the early 2000s when Corn and like a lot of that modern that pop metal was dominating the airwaves, but it's not cheesy. Like some of that stuff has proven to be, you know, that where it's dated and it, it didn't hold up. This, this is like just the ultimate in progressive modern rock with quality, without the cheesy vocals, without the cheesy lyrics. Um, and it just rocks. It just absolutely rocks. Yep. For sure. Um, I, I think in a similar vein to that, like, and you know, certainly I love that Dikembe album too. Um, I think you had a little bit higher than, than I did on my list, but, uh, 
but like in a similar way you were saying, like for me, my sort of comparison to that would be Touche Amore, where that's a band that, you know, yeah, I've listened to their previous albums and I've liked them, but they've never been a band that I would like talk to people about and be like, man, I really love Touche Amore. But uh, something about Lament, their album they put out this year, just. It was I just really, really good. Yeah. And I just kept going back to it. Like I, I'd just be like, man, I don't know what I feel like listening. And then I'd start scrolling through my playlists and I would see it and I'd be like, yeah, all right, I'm going to listen to that again. And uh, uh, so that one really grabbed me. Um, another thing that's kind of interesting is last year was like a really hip hop heavy year for me. Not when I say last year, I mean, 2019. Um, I, you know, I know like I had like the Brockhampton album was in my top five. I had uh Danny Brown had put out an album. Um, trying to think who else. There was there were several hip hop albums in my top twenty, and this year, like I didn't listen to hardly any. There was very few new hip hop albums that really grabbed me. But I did the one that I do have in my top ten is Run the Jewels, and uh, that's another album that you. It's hard to separate from the time and place of when that came out. You know, that came out right after the George Floyd uh, stuff uh started happening and, uh, and it was a like, huge surprise it came out of it, nowhere yep and it was just like uh, i think they did didn't they did they possibly even put that out for free did they give that out for free or not i don't it does i mean it doesn't matter but like it was just like they just dropped it with like hey like you know this is what you know is on our hearts like have at it you know and um and and for me before you go on uh i had been I had not caught on to run the jewels. So this was my first experience and I listened oh, to it. Okay. And, it was, and so nice. for me, it was like a gateway. And now all of a sudden I had all these, these other albums to listen to as well. It was awesome. Which is always fun too. That's always fun. Yeah. When you discover something, you're like, Oh, awesome. They have three other albums I get to listen to. Um, so yeah. So like, so that album like was again in this like really interesting time and place in our society. And it was like this huge statement album, but it was really good musically too. Like in the, um and, and lyrically it, you know just it's with run the jewels like they're pretty consistent you're you know you're gonna you're gonna get a, a good quality album from them but i think this one just spoke so much more to where we were at, in that place in time and i think that really carried that album with uh for me this year but other than that like you know i like the kid cuddy album more than most people did most people didn't like it very much but i kind of liked it actually um i'm trying to even think if there was any other hip-hop album that like really grabbed me this year and i just this this was such a like such a rock heavy year like all these rock bands put out just amazing albums this year i mean i this, talked about this year also turned me into a taylor swift fan oh interesting yeah but we can, oh go ahead no and, and uh and and it almost makes me sad because I, I saw a lot of her country fans and her kind of pop fans feeling like let down or defied by the fact that she produced two albums with the dude from the national and wrote some songs with the dude from Bon Iver and, you know, yeah. Justin Vernon. And, um, but for me, like, uh, indie rock Taylor Swift is the best Taylor Swift I've ever listened to. <laughs> so I've, I've never been like, I've never been like a crazy big Taylor Swift fan. I I know, went I to see up. her at the queue with my wife because my wife wanted to see her. And oh, nice. You know. was, was that like recently or like, I mean, uh, not, probably not in 2020, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Three or four <laughs> albums ago. Yeah, okay. it was probably like three or four years ago. 
Um, you know, certainly like I could recognize her talent, you know, when, when the country stuff was out, but it, that really didn't do a whole lot for me. And then 1989, I thought that was such an interesting album. Like, her, her, you know, her like sharp turn direct head first into pop. And then, uh, and so I, you know, I listened to all of her albums. Like I'll give them a couple listens. Um, I, I, I really liked 1989. I thought that one was, was really, really good. Um, I would say this year, uh, Folklore was the first one, right? Yep. And then Evermore was the second so one. So Folklore, I really liked. Folklore was really good. Um, I actually think Evermore was better, but and see, I, I, I liked them both. Through. I struggled with Evermore for some reason, and I can't put my finger on why. And again, it might go back to that sort of time and place thing. I was really busy um, when Evermore dropped, and um, I think I just never really spent the time to sit down and give it a fair listen. But I just, for whatever reason, that one, I, I didn't listen to as much. But Folklore, I, I really liked. Yeah. Well, and so anyway, that's, that's kind of our year in music. I know it's a brief overview. We'll, we'll publish the list at some point. Um, and, and again, like this is just our, our corner of the world. Um, I didn't even talk about the beautiful mistake. There were so many bands. So the beautiful mistake hasn't been a band. They're like a Christian hardcore emo band from 20 years ago that broke up and then they like got back together for this EP. Um, so that. (laughs) And and then Hum, Hum is another band that released an album for the first time in probably 20 yeah. years. You know, we have a lot of surprising, uh, a with, lot of those Hum. really surprising type of things happened in 2020 that, you know, we probably should spend some time talking about, but, uh, yeah. um, I, I also think we also like, we, one album I know that you and I both really loved that. I don't think we really talked about was that nothing album, oh, uh, the yeah. great dismal. Um, I just, so here's when, the thing. I love it. Um, I don't know if I love the whole thing because the first song is so good. I just kind of <laughs> listen to the first song on repeat over and over and over again. There's certainly like the first song, the fourth song, um, is really up there for me too. Um, yeah. this is definitely a bit of a peaks and about peaks and valleys album, but well, I don't even want to call them valleys peaks and plateaus maybe. Yeah. Um, but that opening song is an all timer. But you again, you just you talk about shoegaze like that is like perfect shoegaze. Like that's what you want. That's that's that that heavy feeling that you want. You know that you just can. You're instantly transported into a certain mindset when you listen to the like those kind of albums, and that that was really powerful. And uh, they have an interesting backstory, which I you know we won't get into. But um, they're a really interesting band, and I've. I've loved all of their albums, but this one was just outstanding. This is probably my favorite of their albums. All right. Well, I'm going to do a little bit of a transition here. Uh, I'm going to stop screen sharing this. I'm going to remove that. Um, So we've got a guest by the name of Jamin Dunn. He's somebody who's read Waiting for Next Year for a long time. I've known him through the website for a long time. And then he put put out an album here. Uh, that I've been list. I've, I heard it a few months, six months ago, whatever, however long ago he sent me the link and now it's out. Um, and we wouldn't, we wouldn't just have any, I listened to it and it's really good. So that's, that's why he's coming on the show. Um, so I'm going to drop us out. We're going to play a little bit of, uh, the song hindsight. And then, uh, after a couple minutes, uh, we will be back. Andrew and I will be back with Jamin. 
So uh, bear with me one second while I do this transition here. Producing on the fly. <laughs> All right. We are back. I'm, uh, welcome to the show, Jamin. How's it going? It's going great. Awesome to be here. It's uh, it's funny the way the journey has gone, Craig. I started listening to Waiting for Next Year probably in like 2014 when I was living in Arizona. And now you're my insurance agent and I'm <laughs> on your podcast, man. This is, hey, he's, this is he's, my insur- he's my insurance agent too. So well, that's the secret. If you want to get on the podcast, <laughs> uh, you better talk to Craig about my insurance. I just had uh, OK Pants on the podcast too. He's also a client. Is he really? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but honestly, you know what, Jamin, if your album sucked, you wouldn't be on the podcast. Oh, I appreciate uh, that. No, it, it's, it's, uh, I, I was talking to you about, uh, some of the music. I listened to the whole thing. Um, you know, I listened to parts of it a couple months ago. I listened to the whole thing last week and it's, it, it's kind of a throwback. It's kind of that not big band and like the, the swing jazz right. kind of a, but it's kind of that big band, like the E street band and, and, uh, you know, that, that kind of style, is that what you always wanted to put together? I don't know that it's what I always wanted to put together, but it's, I don't know, Andrew, I don't know how old you are, but I turned 40 this last year and 41. Yeah. Okay. And I think you get to a point in your, as a, as a songwriter anyways, where you, you, you stop and go, okay, wait, this is the kind of music that I really just, I like. And so I'm just going to, I'm going to write those kinds of songs. I'm going to, I'm going to produce and, and track that type of music. And um, I think it, it's a little bit unique. You know, you had said that Craig, there's, there's not a lot of uh, bands and, and artists right now that are, you know, writing six minute songs with a saxophone solo, you know, and I, I just love that kind of music. I always like Tom Petty is a hero of mine and I've always loved uh, guys like Bruce Springsteen um, I probably my favorite band of the last five years is a band called the war on drugs out of Philadelphia. And, um, when, when I heard their first record, I was like, Oh, there's, there's somebody else out there like me. And it just kind of was a, a kind of a motivation to just kind of run headlong into that format and that, that medium, which is a little bit different than what you're hearing now. Well, and it's kind of an outlier just in, in this time period for a lot of artists because there's so many people who are throwing stuff together on GarageBand in their house. And and you can create a super polished album on a shoestring in ways that you couldn't when, when you and I were in our teenage years. Right. You know, where even you, even five years ago. Yeah, you're you're flipping over a, a tape on a on a four track to make it an eight track or or whatever, or, 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 or no, you're flipping over a tape to make a two track a four track. You know, yeah. back back in the days, um, how did? But even still, even with all that power in the in the in in our bedrooms, in our homes, in our basements, how did you put this together? Because you got some, you got so many players and so many singers and so many musicians on this. So. It's some of it, one of the things about this project that um, I, I probably in 2016, I said to my wife, I said, I just want to make a project that really reflects where I've come as a songwriter, but also just kind of as a man. Um, I'm my wife and I've been married for 18 years. I've got five daughters and we've lived in four major cities since we got married. We lived in uh, Nashville for 10 years. We lived in Phoenix, Columbus, and now we're up here in the Cleveland area. And on that journey, um, I've met and, and have been able to maintain some, uh, some great friends uh, who are also musicians. And so I was in a band back so you, in. So ahead. you uh, acquired an all-star cast over kinda. all your moves. Yeah, <laughs> I kind of did. You know, I'm I'm the I'm the friend that keeps up with you, even if I'm you know I don't believe in out of sight, out of mind. And so whether they want you to or not, that's exactly right. <laughs> and, and so, uh, um, and I made some friends when I was in Nashville. Was there for a long time. And uh, are there any musicians in Nashville? 
Is that a few? A few. I was I was there. It's a great city to make contacts and and it's a terrible city to try to um get discovered. It's just well, and everywhere you turn, there's there's somebody who makes you feel embarrassed to own your instrument. Yeah. I mean, like we had a good band um back in 2012, 2013. We got to be on TV a little bit, on the radio a little bit. But it's like you're a good so what there's like a thousand good bands in nashville um and and for every band there's three session guys session people who can just play you under the table at least three yeah yeah i think even just even like even just like the bar scene there like when you go and you just walk down the street you go into one bar and you listen to a band for a while and you're like all right this is really good you know but then you go to the next one it's like oh wait these guys are really good too and then it's like after a while you're like I can't even remember what that first band sounded like anymore because I've just heard good band after good band. Like there, it's just you can't go anywhere in Nashville without running into a good band, good guitar player, a good singer. It's true, and it's also what's interesting about Nashville is um, it's a very closed society when it comes to uh, who's who with regard to musicianship and songwriting and that kind of thing, and. It was a very difficult circle to crack. I wouldn't even say that I cracked it, but it was also kind of a learning experience as an artist and as a as a producer and a writer. It's like I didn't want to treat people that way. I wanted to um, uh, really um, include and, and continue to keep people involved in whatever it was that I was doing because you know you you add to yourself, you grow, and there are people that help you do that, and then you move on. And it seemed to me. Uh, just not cool to leave those people behind. And so to say, to, you know, to answer your question, Craig, yeah, there's like 16 or 18 people that contributed to this project in one way or another. And it was all done on uh, logic, which is a, a DAW that you can get for, for Mac and Dropbox. Uh, so the drummer that was the drummer in our band Weatherby, his name's Clay Wood. He's got a kind of a home drum studio uh, in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And so I would send to him all of my work tapes on these songs and he would load those into his DAW and lay down all the drums. Uh, and then I, I engineered, I engineered most of it here in uh, Elyria, Ohio in my house. Um, and then I had a, another friend in Nashville named Reed Pittman that played all the key stuff. And then it was just a little bit of this and a little bit that friends in Phoenix, um, friends, people that I've, there's people that, uh, you heard a woman named Lydia Lee sing just there who I met a year ago. Um, Damn right. I, I did. Yeah. She's good. <laughs> she's a killer. <laughs> she's amazing. And, um, I moved in next door to the guy who ended up being elected mayor of Illyria and he invited me to his inauguration and she sang at the inauguration. And I like went to the banquet afterwards and said, Hey, I'm Jamin. I'm making this record. I got to have you sing on it. Uh, and so I just, it's just kind of this really fun collaboration of a, a, a journey through uh, America and through time uh, and just the different things that um, I've experienced and failures and fears and loving my wife and loving my kids and all those kinds of things that has kind of created this, this album. Well, it's, it sounds great. Um, good luck following it up, man. (laughs) Like, I know you're not, I know you're not worried about that. It's like, you, you, you create this great thing. And, um, you know, I've, I've been there where I've put out an album and it's like, 
you know, all, all you care about in that moment is doing the best you possibly can with that material. And if that's the last thing you ever do, you want it to kind of stand on its own. At least that's the way I felt. I mean, is that yeah. the way you felt when you were kind of, at what point was it done? And it, it, does that approximate some of the feelings you were having? Yeah, I think so. I wrote uh, probably somewhere between 30 and 40 songs um, between 2016 and when I really started to work on the project in earnest and uh, tracked 15 of those and that uh, whittled its way down to the 12 that are on the, the record. Uh, one of the things that's unique about this is that I actually am pressing a vinyl as well um, with Gotta Groove Records right downtown in Cleveland on the east yeah. side of the uh, city and learning how to write for vinyl and just the way that medium needs to be treated with even like I learned you got to have your upbeat songs at the front because they're not going to sound as good towards the end of that side of the record. There's a whole science to it and having to like pare things down and be okay with saying goodbye to a couple of songs because it's not going to, it's not going to work. And so on the, on the vinyl, it went um, eight tracks. And then if you, when you buy it, you get uh, four additional tracks on the digital that are kind of like bonus tracks. Cause I had so much music, um, recorded uh kyle mann is a good friend of mine who works at speakeasy sound in burbank um and is working on huge grammy projects he mastered it for me and he called me and goes this is really good but this is really long like you can't <laughs> this isn't gonna work you can't yeah you, you're it. doing it wrong you should it should have been four or four or five eps right. based on 2020 but well yeah i hear what you're saying but i or wanted 2021 to, i wanted to um really release something conceptual and if if you listen to the songs they i was they, joking by the way i'm old as I dirt i love I a know. full album <laughs> yeah. and so does andrew yeah, yeah and that's the fun thing you know with vinyl like you have to sit down you have to listen to it you can't skip ahead you can't uh yeah. you know just listen to one song over and over again you listen to the whole thing you, you know you pour yourself a cocktail and you turn on the record and um so i i just wanted to do that you know i've, I've always you know, I've idolized guys like Tom Petty and Paul Simon, you know, I was listening to, um, what was it listened to the other day? James Taylor, who just, they made albums and it worked from start to finish. And somewhere along the way, our attention spans got too short for that kind of art. And I think it's a shame. I don't think we have to accept that. I think that's something that we should continue to strive for and, and really present something uh, real and, and cohesive and uh, complete and that's what I was, that's what I was trying to do. Yeah. And I, I don't think it's completely gone. Um, I, I, one of the things that makes me think that it's not is, you know, even today, um, as much as kids are flocking to modern artists, they're, they're still listening to ACDC. They're still going back to Pink Floyd. They're going back to Led Zeppelin, Tom Petty, Bruce Springsteen. And those guys, those in, in this case, guys, those guys all created full albums. And yeah. I, I do think that, you know, it might not work in, in drum and bass. It might not work in pop. It might not work in rap, uh, in certain form kinds of rap. But I, I do think there will always be a home for albums in rock. Yeah, you talked about Taylor Swift, like 1989. That's an album. That whole thing yeah, is amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. So what do your girls think? The five girls... 
do they do they do they think dad's crotchety and and a, a, a grizzled old rock guy or do they like it they like it uh my daughter naya actually is what they uh, say they do she's <laughs> my daughter's 16 my oldest is 16 and she actually sang on two of the tracks uh, oh that's awesome she she has um really had an affinity for um what dad does uh all of my girls sing and have i think varying degrees of interest in music um i think that dad can be intimidating unfortunately a little bit there because they just well music is dad's thing and so i'm i want to be encouraging to them to uh pursue those things and to practice and to find out what they like um without them feeling like well i'm never going to be as good as dad you know it's, it's just a weird line to walk like i don't want to necessarily give my kids guitar lessons because i don't want to be that disciplinarian in that aspect when i have to be it in so many other ways but uh no my, my kids love love the music um my daughter piper is 11 and you know i'll catch her you know singing the songs as she walks down the hallway or in the shower you know you'll hear her singing yeah. so that's pretty cool all right enough about you what what were your favorite things you listened to in 2020? Uh, uh, wow, okay. And stuff that actually came out in 2020, old man. 2020, <laughs> 2020. Uh, are, are you guys familiar with the group Dawes? Yep. Uh, Dawes, am, yeah. Dawes came out with a new record uh, just a couple of months ago um, called Good Luck With Whatever. Uh, I really like their, they're, they're another you know group kind of like, war on drugs it's, it's a different sound but uh they're they're just writing really good songs and they're kind of presenting those songs in a very reproducible you know five piece kind of way i discovered a guy named leaf volbeck from uh i think he's out of toronto he's just fantastic um his record may might have come out in 2019 so i might be a year late on that but uh fair enough yeah it did uh new ways came out in 2019 yeah new ways and then the one that, that came out a year before or a couple years before that called twin solitude just fantastic um i've always been a fan of the group the naked and famous and they had a new record that came out this year uh, that i really enjoyed um there's a an artist uh, another canadian artist kathleen edwards uh she gave uh, came out with a new project this year that i really enjoyed uh called total freedom I, i've loved everything that she's done she's also collaborated uh with the guy from boney Bear as well and then i started listening to the um uh, you talked to me about him craig uh, what are they called um, Spanish something. Yeah. Spanish uh, love songs. Yeah. I've been listening to Spanish love songs here recently. And that was, that was Andrew in my top. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's cool. It reminded me of another group out of Australia. I sent it to you. I don't know if you checked that out. I didn't, but I remember the recommendation. Um, and I'm trying to think of their name now. Um, this is great for, <laughs> no i mean yeah, that's all good. gang of youths they reminded me a lot of gang of youths they're they're a group out of uh, australia similar very introspective 
you know, like high highs, low lows in the way that they write. And so that's another one you can check out. Yeah, for me, like, if you just write verse, chorus, verse, I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty predictable. Um, well, I appreciate you coming on, man. I, I love the I love the album. It's uh, again, you know, when when somebody and somebody says, "Hey, check out my album," you're like, "Oh, I don't know. let's see how this goes." <laughs> um, but no, it's legit. It's legit. the The production value is there. The songwriting's there. It's it's a throwback. It's nice to hear. It's nice to hear some guitar solos and some horns and um, you know some additional vocalists willing to share the spotlight. It uh it sounds like it sounds like a big band like on the on the e street band level um it's on spotify it's on uh band camp where can people get that uh the pressing of the, yeah so uh, if you want to get the vinyl the vinyl should be done uh boy that was one thing that was really interesting because of 2020 and uh, i think everybody decided to make a record this year because we had because they couldn't tour yeah <laughs> yeah and and not only that but vinyl has just come back with such a vengeance here recently and so the masters for this record were done in august and i had already decided i definitely wanted to use got a groove wanted to stay local here in cleveland and so uh talked to matt early who runs the show over there and he goes well uh you know it's going to be december before we could start to press that and I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. And so I looked around. It's to a see good thing they're... you didn't do a Christmas record. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I looked around and like every, you know, reputable vinyl shop in the country was three months, um, you know, backed up as to when they were going to be able to get something pressed. And so um, you can get the vinyl on Bandcamp um, or if you just go to my website, which is just jamondunn.com, there's a link to Bandcamp. Otherwise, it's jamondunn.bandcamp.com, and Which you can is up get on the, the screen. Yeah, there it is. And uh, when you get the vinyl, you'll also get uh, like a little coupon that allows you to download the full uh, twelve-song project. And uh, I will ship it to you, or I will bring it to your door, whatever you prefer. So, well, awesome, man. Thanks for uh, talking to us about the project. It was, it yeah, was for good sure to, to get you on the podcast. Yeah, I appreciate being here and. Uh, I'll be, uh, I, I, I caught a little bit of okay pants segment and I'll be, uh, watching on Sunday, just enjoying the ride, man. <laughs> we, we, we made the playoffs. That's enough for me. It's all great. Right. right. That's right. All right. We'll so, see you, Jamin. All right. Thanks guys. Appreciate it. All right. All right, Andrew. So that, that was our music. We didn't really talk sports this time, but that's fine. We'll, yeah. we'll you and you and I will get back together, hopefully after the Browns game, after the Buckeyes game, and also uh, you know we'll catch up on some Cavs stuff because this Cavs team is yeah. kind of fun and, and worthy of our love. They're worthy certainly, of talking about. They're certainly interesting, and uh, they're more fun than I expected. So, all right, thanks so much for listening, watching everybody. Uh, we appreciate you. We've been uh, we're joining up with Evergreen Podcast this year, so you can find us on their network as well. Um, of course you can check us out on the pages of waitingfornextyear.com. It's been the waiting for next year.com podcast. Hello, and welcome to novel conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, 
And for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. And together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.